She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. They're tired because we're telling the truth. They're tired because we're being strong again. They're tired because we're not going to have these multilateral organizations mandate the U.S. have to do what they want us to do. We're going to do what's in the best interest of the American people. And I think that's what the president did when he got us out of the Paris climate deal. That's what he did when he said Iran is a problem and being in this deal is not making anyone in the world safer. For many years, countries have been taking total advantage of the United States on trade. Whether they're allies or not, they looked at us really as a bunch of very soft touches. And that's not what's happening anymore. The single most consequential thing we can do is these lifetime appointments of men and women to the court who believe that the job of a judge is to follow the law. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program, Hour 2. We're having a pretty good day on a Friday. Blessed to be alive and a citizen of this great country. Greetings from the heartland. It's great to be with you today. I'm having a great time talking to the listeners. Our number one best guests that we have on this program, listeners, uh, to American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thank you so much to Gordon in Alabama. Thanks for calling the show today. Happy Friday to you. <laughs> Hi. What's your comment? Hello. Hi. Hey. Um, I'm enjoying your show. Thank you very much. Uh, just want to say that uh, you know Donald Trump was elected. Uh, because we think of we think of him as a maverick, and he is a uh, man that'll get things done, like drain the swamp. And my my frustration really has been with the Republican leadership. You know, we have the House, the Senate, we have Donald Trump as the president, and uh, I just think they're really weak on some of the issues that they should be pressing hard on. I know if the shoe was on the other foot, that. Uh, the Liberal Democrats will be pressing hard. So mm-hmm. when it comes to things like the nuclear option and these different things, I just feel like they ought to, uh, you know, just go all out. And uh, my other my other quick comment is Facebook, Twitter, and Google, I believe they have a monopoly. And um, I do think it's appropriate for regulation. Um, you know, these days with the bots and the algorithms and the things that they can use, uh, they're really distorting with a realistic proportional reflection of, uh, the conservative opinion. And so I think it's appropriate for some government regulations, even though I'm a big defender of free speech. I, I just feel like there needs to be some alternative venues. Mm, I agree. I think, uh, well, I would, I would say, and thank you so much for calling the show, I would say that I w- what I would like to see them do is just prevent Facebook from buying up any of the viable alternatives. In other words, when someone, like when whoever it was that created Instagram, Facebook immediately bought it up because it was a direct competitor to them, not in the social media space for something that was specifically identical to Facebook, but that people were turning to Instagram to get away from Facebook. Young people were doing that. Same thing with Snapchat. But I've, I've noticed it's cyclical. The kids don't care anything about Snapchat anymore. Like they're, they're deleting it off their phones just that quickly. Um, Instagram is still popular, but it's not the next big thing for kids. They're looking for that next big thing. Let's go to Paul in Texas. And by the way, if you want to call into the show, we're still taking calls. We're going to move through the show sheet, but still taking calls. Uh, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Uh, Paul in Texas, thank you so much for calling the show. Yes, uh, I'm uh, interested. When you read that letter from uh, Judge Kavanaugh, Mm-hmm. The first thing that went through my mind is I appreciate his honesty, but I think mm-hmm. tactically, what a mistake it would be, this is just my opinion, that he would show up and the person who's his accuser not even be there. I mean, it makes as much sense as for him to show up and they have a mannequin with a picture of this woman's face on it <laughs> and the Democrats say, say, hey, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, you see over here, so-and-so said – said this. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? I mean, I know he's, I hope he's smarter than that, but to me it just seems like uh, 
fighting a straw man, uh, which is a Democrat's dream because mm-hmm. she's not available for questioning, but they can throw all the mud they want at him and make up anything they want. You know, you make so. Th- OK, so yes to your point. Yes. Um, but I think it also demonstrates how interested he is in defending himself. And he's coming off like someone who's innocent. Uh, it really makes her that puts the onus on her to show up and actually face him and accuse him. She doesn't seem like she's willing to do that. Um, and, and I would just also say, you know, this is the new normal if this works. That's why we have to fight as hard as we can that this won't work. Because people who are supporting this attack on Judge Kavanaugh haven't considered what it would be like if their spouse came home from work and said, I've been accused of harassment by a woman I've never met before. And they're, they're saying I can't work there anymore and they're not even going to investigate, you know. That who wants to who wants to face that? Nobody. Paul, thanks so much for calling the show. Have a great weekend. Um, we'll take a few more calls. Let's go to Kevin in Indiana, I believe it is. Um, hey, thanks for calling in. What's that? Uh, turn your turn your device down so you can hear me live because there's a bit of a delay. How's that? Yeah, that's better. So what's your comment? Uh, well, my comment, my observation, uh, the three comments. Um, the first comment is that the United States is the only country that has a poverty class that is challenged with a uh, obesity issue. <laughs> you there? Oh, you give yes. I'm here. You're getting a little close to the truth there. <laughs> You're dancing yeah. with the truth. You know that's not popular. <laughs> and my second, yeah, my second pro- uh, uh, comment was um, Hillary Clinton's been saying lately that. Um, Donald Trump is uncontrollable. I, I thought she woke up to that knowledge on, on the 9th of November. She's uh, coming to her now. I guess she's a little slow out of the gate. <laughs> Very uh, slow. He was. I, I watched that video this morning, and I'm telling you, Kevin, it makes you laugh because he's so quick out of the gate. If he gets insulted, the, the, my favorite is where they're at the debate together, and she says, aren't we glad that he's not in charge of our justice system? And he just says ever so, like, not, he doesn't even speak at full full level. Because you'd be in jail. And then he just turns and walks off, and it's just like you can hear a pin drop in the place. Amazing. Kevin, thanks for calling the show. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Richard. Hey, Richard, thanks for calling into the show on a Friday. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. <laughs> I'm, I was wondering if it's possible for Kavanaugh, even whether he's elected, put into the court or not, if he can sue these people into a poorhouse for besmirching his him and everything else they're doing. You know, everybody from the woman that's making the charges mm-hmm. to their lawyers to Soros who's backing all this. You know, I gotta say, uh, I don't know if the whole public figure thing uh, would prevent him from doing that. You know how they what they do is they'll say, if you're in the public eye, there's a different standard for slander and things like that. And I don't know. I know he's, he's a cir- D.C. Circuit Court judge. But does that mean he's a, in the public eye, meaning that he has to um, kind of take slander? And he's because this is different than just typical slander, like somebody writing a blog post. Right. This is her accusing him of something that really it, he can't disprove it on his own. He has to have someone say, well, I was with him, but he has to know when it was. She doesn't know when it was. She doesn't know where where the party was, whose house, et cetera, et cetera, which in and of itself kind of points to her not telling the truth. So, uh Anyway, thank you, Richard, for calling the show. I have to say, uh, great callers today. We'll take a couple more calls. Lisa in Texas. Hey, thank you so much for calling the show on a Friday. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, this is Lisa from Texas. And um, hey. I don't know if you're, you're old enough to remember the group Up With People, the international performing company. Mm, no, I don't remember it. but it's, it's been around about 35, no, about 45 years, actually. It's a group of students nonprofit travel all over the world in international cast of about a hundred. And I, I did that. I spent a year touring with them uh, about 25 years ago and we stayed with 80 host families all over the U S and all over Europe in eight different countries. And I was shocked, you know, especially when you live with a family, you see how they live, how they work, you know, that what we consider or what they consider middle-class, would be below the, what the poverty level is here in this country. 
you know, for someone to have more than just a bicycle, to have one car would be someone in the elite, in the upper class. Ah, so this is something that, um, this is something that I think is, is a danger for us. <laughs> it really is because people don't, people listening to the show who have that different mindset about America and think it's so terrible. Don't even, they don't even believe what you're saying. Like that it's hard to fathom that it would be so much different somewhere else or that poverty here would be such a welcome change of circumstance for people who are, who are overseas. What, what do you think we should do about that though? You know, I think that what Israel does is really great where everyone joins the military and it wouldn't even have to be, it could be military. It could be, you know, some other organization or do something like I did for a year where you go around, you live with people, you see, you you experience what, what the rest of the world has. And, uh, you know, it would just burst that millennial bubble. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know if it would, uh, I don't know if that would work, but we need to do something. We got to do something to get people to understand that this is not it. So it's the norm here, but it's not the norm everywhere else. And it doesn't mean we don't want to fight injustice or make things better here. It just means we need to keep things in perspective. And um, so I'm hoping that we can get people to understand that. Um, So let's thank you so much for calling today, Lisa. I appreciate your call. Um, Let's, I can't see the so we have a caller from Arkansas, Lynn from Arkansas. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Uh oh, we might not be. Oh, there we are. All right, <laughs> Lynn from Arkansas. Thank you for calling the show today. Hi. Hey. Yeah, I had a few comments about um, Google and Facebook and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm I'm trying to get my grandchildren to kind of see some of the things going on with them. And there was a movie called The Circle, and um, I saw it. it had Tom Hanks in it and stuff. I usually don't, uh, you know, watch. I don't know. I don't watch that many movies anymore. But anyway, it was about like supposed to be Google and a girl who went to work there and different things that happened to her and how they really like were tracking her and getting into her life and. And all of that. And so, um, you know, I um, wanted them to watch that. And then um, just the whole thing about having Alexa in your home, I just think that's a really bad idea. And um, I was talking to, uh, it wasn't my church, but somebody I know, their church, the um, children's pastor was saying how they have the kids, they're getting the kids Alexa in their home and and they're tailoring a, um, you know, a program. I think it was Alexa. It might be the other, you know, how they each have their own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, unit for your home. But I'm pretty sure that one was Alexa. But anyway, they had one geared towards children. So basically you're getting some of their philosophies piped into your home for your kids, you know. And they're listening. um, The the device listens all the time. So it's always on because it has to be on listening in order for you to be able to call its name. It's really it's it's disturbing. If they'll change the settings on your phone, what what would stop them from recording and and keeping track of everything that happens inside your house? I mean, it's just it's crazy that we would permit them to do it. Yeah, I can barely hear you. That's why I was talking over you. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I'm just. I'm I'm wondering when people are going to kind of wake up to the fact that it's not it's not working that all of these devices that listen are not providing enough of a service to us for us to be able to say yeah it's worth it to give up all of our privacy. All right, so I want to as we go out to the break, preview a little bit. We're going to listen to um the audio of President Trump and his message on trade when we get back and kind of unpack that a little bit. We're going to talk about married men earning much more than others in America and why that is so important and um, other things. So stay right there. It's Stacey on the right here on Urban Family Talk.
Hello, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Well, the last two years, we've just had tremendous response, early response to the announcement that we're going to Israel on a Holy Land tour. We're going March of this year. We go March of every year. Last year, we filled up like early fall, and I expect us to fill up early fall this year as well. So if you're interested in this March 14th through the 22nd tour, and you'll be going with primarily supporters of AFA and AFR, just get the brochure and check it out. You can call us today at 800-FAMILIES, 800-F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option 5, and leave us your name and your address, and we'll mail you a brochure. If you simply want to go online, all the information is there. It's at twholyland.com, twholyland.com. If you want to go in March, we're filling up, and we're filling up fast. So check it out, twholyland.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, conspiracies have been around for centuries, but the Internet has made it much easier to promote a conspiracy that has the potential of going viral before rational people can begin to tamp down the hysteria. The older conspiracies were presented and promoted primarily by people who believed the government wasn't telling the whole truth. The National Treasure series of movies and the television shows like The X-Files probably even fed into some of that skepticism. But the latest conspiracies are coming from the left who apparently see Nazi symbols and white power symbols just about everywhere. Here are two examples. During the confirmation hearings for Judge Brett Kavanaugh, attorney Zinnabash was sitting behind him. As a former law clerk for the judge, she was helping steer his nomination to the Supreme Court. Apparently, she has a tendency to rest her fingers on her arm in what could be best described as a reverse OK sign. One Twitter post complained that she was flashing a white power sign because they want to bring white supremacy to the Supreme Court. That post alone got more than 15,000 retweets. The Internet uproar forced her husband to publicly defend Zena and point out that she is Jewish, Mexican-American, and the descendant of Holocaust survivors. Another series of examples is the number of times someone on the left sees Nazi symbols. One comedian asked a Twitter user, are you wearing a Nazi uniform? The profile picture was actually of his father in an army uniform who was killed in Vietnam. A New York staffer was forced to resign when she accused a veteran who lost his legs in Afghanistan of being a Nazi because she assumed one of the tattoos was an iron cross when it was really a symbol for his platoon. The last few weeks have provided lots of examples of people on the left believing some bizarre conspiracies. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Universal 1440, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, the rest of World War II hero Louis Zamperini's true story, now playing rated PG-13. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The big one is China, because for... A long period of time, China has taken advantage of our country. And I don't blame China. I blame the people that represented our nation to have allowed that to happen, where $375 billion in trade deficits came about year after year. We don't want that. Not fair, not right. So we've placed massive tariffs on China. And the tariffs have really had a positive impact. Number one, our country's taken in a lot of money. Number two, we're creating jobs like never before. So it's very important that China open its markets to our farmers and everybody else. Because right now, they're closed, largely. And yet, our markets are open to them. But let me give you an example that you've heard. China produces a car, and they sell it into the United States. And they have a very small 2.5% tax which, to a large extent, they don't even pay. On the other hand, we make a car and sell it into China, and they charge 25%. So it's 25% versus 2.5%. And that's the way the deal is. No good, no good for us. So we're changing things, and we're changing them fast. Wow. So I'm... I'm totally in favor of that. Welcome back to the program, urbanfamilytalk.com. Hit the subscribe button when you get there. Um, and so this is President Trump talking about trade, kind of sharing his message. And now I want to pivot back over to uh, Megyn Kelly, who her show is still, you know, going along every day over uh, on NBC. And she's 
weighing in on the Kavanaugh allegations and her comments kind of went viral and, and they're everywhere. And she made some good points. I, I There are two actual clips of her. We only have one for the show today, but in one of them, she was a little bit more wishy-washy than the other, but still kind of making a same point about um, the fairness of the whole issue. It's number one. Uh, I think Dr. Ford is running out of options. I think she needs to show up on Monday and offer her testimony if she wants to be heard, because for better or for worse, she is not in charge of this. The The Senate is in charge of this. That committee's in charge of this. And their obligation is to provide advice and consent to the president on his judicial nominee. <clears throat> and so they get to decide what will inform that decision. Um, and what they've decided is they'll reopen the hearings, um, which they think is an accommodation given that Diane Feinstein knew about this allegation when the hearings were open originally and didn't raise it. She could have raised it, you know, saying there's an anonymous accuser. But notwithstanding that, they're reopening it and giving her the chance to speak publicly, privately. Senator Grassley even said, we'll send somebody out to California to interview you. And she's rejected all of those. And Senator Cornyn is right that she she isn't in a position to demand protocols. It's it's not her right. And so with it not being her right, you have to kind of question why there is so much furor around her being given the opportunity to speak. So at first it was, well, look at the Republicans. The Republicans are trying to silence her. The Republicans are trying to, uh, you know, make it so that she can't put her allegations forward. Now we're hearing that she's being silenced because she's being asked to speak. We were told that if the Republicans themselves on the committee, which is all men, if the men ask the questions, then it would be like a grilling or, or some kind of in- interrogation, and that wouldn't be fair. So they said, well, we'll just have one person speak to her instead of the entire committee asking her questions, and the one person who speaks to her will be an attorney for uh, the accused, and then we'll have her attorney question the accused, and that in that way it will be fair because... Neither party will be subjected to grilling by committee members, kind of fending off this optical problem that they might have. Well, of course, the Democrats on the committee and others in media, that's not satisfactory because they want those optics. They want the optics of her sitting there as a woman alone at a table with a microphone being grilled by 10 men who happen to be white, who happen to be Republicans. Now, I got no problem with them being white or Republicans or Democrats or anything. If she's got something to say, by all means, come forward. It's not like she's an inexperienced, you know, 18-year-old girl. This is a woman who has a PhD, and she's, you know, well-respected in her field. She's an adult. She's not someone who would have to cow away from the public spectacle. You might say, well, maybe she still would. She brought the allegations forward. At some point, she knew she would be questioned on them. If she really wants to hold Brett Kavanaugh accountable for what he did, according to her, she has to at least be willing to present the allegations and answer questions about them. If she's not willing to do that, then what are we even talking about? Let's have the vote. Let's get him onto the Supreme Court and be done with it. So Elizabeth Harrington went on to the uh, interesting cable spots to talk about how, in her opinion, the GOP should energize voters with another legislative win before the midterms to kind of get away from this whole thing. It's number three. Yeah, you know, Liz, the argument for and against that is that angry voters tend to turn out in midterm elections if, if, if a lot of people are sitting happy and liking what they're seeing with the economy, the markets, et cetera, their own financial well-being. They're less inclined to, to, to run to the polls. So it could be a flip for Republicans. What do you think of that? Right. I mean, Republican voters could be complacent if everything's going well. Clearly, Democrats are energized on their, you know, anti-Trump agenda. But I think we should keep in mind midterm elections, the past few cycles, Republicans generally do turn out for these elections. It's Democrats that usually haven't. I know they're going to be energized. But the thing that Republicans need to figure out and need to do, which I think would energize their voters much more, is get more things done legislatively, fund the wall like President Trump has been asking them to do, get another big legislative win before the midterms. That would energize Republican voters. Um, and I understand what she's saying about energizing Republican voters. But my question is, why can't they just do what they promised to do when they promised it? Because that's what they promised. 
Why does it have to be about energizing people or about the fact that a midterm election is, is looming? Is it not better for them to work hard to accomplish what they promised others they would accomplish? Is it not better for them to do that to basically prove to voters that they want to do what they promised? I, I have a serious problem with this idea that they have to get this accomplishment under their belt or they have to do this or they have to do that because midterms are coming as opposed to saying, you know, the thing is we, uh, we promise the voters certain things and what we should do is we should answer those promises by doing the very best that we can do for the voters, whether it's passing legislation or eliminating things that have already been passed that are hindering Americans from living in the free fashion that, that we were always touting the liberties and the freedoms. The government's gotten kind of large, kind of huge, in fact. And what we're seeing as a result is that a lot of people just expect the government to do this. They expect the government to do that. They expect certain things. And I think it's wrong for us to have our reliance, the place where we look for solutions to be the government, as opposed to looking elsewhere. And you know what I'm going to say. We should be looking to our Father in Heaven and then also looking to our own hard work. We can't get things done just by sitting around waiting for the government to do it. So I'm excited about this next piece. It's married men are earning much more than others in America. Now, if you haven't read any studies about this or, or you know, heard other reporting, it is a well-known fact in research circles that married men are more motivated when it comes to competing in the workplace and they attribute that fact to them having a wife and children at home that they are competing to uh, support. So they're, they see themselves as being much more ambitious and they, they feel like they have more on the line. And that's why they excel over single men of similar age. Now, that's an interesting development. Um, and the reason that it's an interesting development is because there, you, you have so much of what men do in the workplace being kind of downgraded. You see a lot of people saying things about men um, that, are, that are really, really negative and fly in the face of what most women experience from men in our everyday lives. Specifically, I don't see men as, being, as running around trying to keep women down. I do see men as being extremely competitive in the workforce because they're competing to make sure that they can provide well for their families and, and create a legacy for their children. And so I think it's wrong for the characterization to be, I, I know last week I had toxic male saves woman and a lot of people didn't get the sarcasm there. I was really trying to be sarcastic about the, you know, the male toxicity being the, the thing. It was his masculinity that caused him to jump in and, um, you know, to, to defend this victim. And so it's, it's the, it's the same thing. It's, it's the things that we enjoy about men. Some people want to take those things and turn them into negatives. And I, I think we should fight against that with everything that we have all the time, never giving up. Now, another piece of breaking news today is Rod Rosenstein suggested secretly recording Trump and discussed using the 25th amendment. Now, when I was reading through this piece, I was just chomping at the bit to see why, why in the world would he do that? We're talking about the Deputy Attorney General, Rod J. Rosenstein. He actually was the impetus for or a great support mechanism for the firing of James Comey. Now, he was the one who sent a letter to um, President Trump outlining the insubordination of James Comey that the president felt was support enough for him to uh, let go of the FBI director. But later, after that happened, he was being, and, and, and the president shared that publicly, Rod Rosenstein regretted sending the letter, and he, he felt like he was getting blamed for the firing of, of James Comey. And so he began to discuss recruiting cabinet members to expose the chaos consuming the administration, you know, his terminology. And this is all in, in NewYorkTimes.com. They have individual sources that they're using for the story who agreed to share what they knew 
because they were guaranteed anonymity. And so the president, you know, basically, remember there was this big story. If you if you cast your mind back, because there's been so much news, the president was talking to uh, Russians and, you know, there was this claim that he shared classified intelligence of the Oval Office. And there was also the the rumors swirling around about Mr. or President Trump asking, you know, James Comey to pledge loyalty, um, asking him about how things were going with the investigation into Flynn. And so Rosenstein had only been on the job for a couple of weeks and he was critical of Comey's handling of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. But then when the president cited that memo in the firing, he said to others working in the administration, well, I was used. He used me. As opposed to saying he was used, how about it was just the support the president needed to do something he'd already been thinking about doing, which was let go of someone who obviously had loyalties that were elsewhere. I still can't get over the people, the number of people in America who don't understand why James Comey was fired. This is a a very easy test to apply to any employee, and that is, is the employee in agreement with you about the stated goals of the workplace. If you find an employee working for you who does not agree with your stated goals, whether it's your mission statement or how many, you know, trumpets you're going to sell or how many widgets you're going to make on a daily basis or what time work starts or whether or not you're the boss, that is reason in and of itself to fire that person. And you really don't have to have a really elaborate, well thought out, duly supported with documentation reason for firing an employee. As the head of the executive branch, the president can fire anyone. But specifically, if you suspect in your conversations with someone that that person does not share your vision for where the company is going, or in this case, the executive branch of the United States government, then you would say, this isn't a relationship that I can see continuing on. And it wouldn't be personal and it wouldn't be treason and it wouldn't be something that would cause, you know, a big furor. Most people would say, yeah, he routinely tore you down when you weren't around, which James Comey admitted he didn't respect the president. He feared him. He didn't like meeting with him alone. His own demeanor towards the president was such that if this is your employee, someone that reports directly to you but has control of an entire agency, you would want that person to at least be open to having communications with you. And if that person didn't feel comfortable enough with you to express their doubts, like, for instance, James Comey said he didn't want to meet alone with the president because he felt some of the questions he was asking were outside of the purview of, for him as FBI director. And the appropriate response to that would be to write a letter to the president and include the chief of staff and say, according to protocol, There are some topics that we can't discuss or there are some things that I can't in my role as FBI director provide to you, even though you're the commander in chief. And I'd like to outline those and offer ways in which I can help you that are within the bounds of my job. And that would I I don't know, would that upset President Trump? I'm not sure. But that would have kept his hands clean as opposed to him going out and typing like a little crazy cat meme on his computer in his car and, and, you know, the dead of night at 930 after he's had a late dinner with the president and making a memo that he would then later share. And you can see when you looking back, obviously hindsight's 2020, you can look back on James Comey's behavior and you can see without a shadow of a doubt that he only hung around so he could get enough what he felt was dirt to put into memos so that he could get a special prosecutor appointed because his end goal was his beginning goal from back before the president was ever elected. And then after he was elected, but not yet, Uh, sworn in. And that was that he should never be the president for a full term because he was team Hillary. James Comey was team Hillary. And there was no way this guy was ever going to be the president. And if he was, it was James T. Comey's part, part of his duty as an American, he felt, to do the same things that his subordinates were working on. It's not like the things that we saw from Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and the text messages that they were exchanging were happening in a vacuum that the two of them were alone in their desire to remove Donald Trump. James Comey had the same thoughts and feelings, and it is that demeanor that got him fired. I don't know what James Rosenstein's problem is, but he might be next. I think he should go, too. 
All right, we'll be back with more right after this. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Well, there is good news and bad news. The good news is non-farm payrolls grew by 201,000 in August. A Reuters survey of economists pegged expectations at just 191,000. Average hourly earnings jumped by 2.9%, above the 2.7% increase that was expected. Oh, and the unemployment rate continues to hold near a generational low of 3.9%. Now for the bad news. None of this is supposed to matter to you. Instead, you are encouraged to focus on the president's Twitter feed, even though only 7% of Americans actually use it. We should not bury our heads in the sand. Being informed is important. But how about a bit of balance? There are wonderful economic developments which are a direct result of the Trump administration policies. Listen, the number of Americans filing for unemployment welfare fell to the lowest number in 50 years. More families are experiencing the joy of the fruit of their labor. Let's take some time out and enjoy the good news. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Steve Tiber with Eight Days of Hope. We are launching our largest rapid response effort ever. I'm right now in Houston preparing for our next rebuilding trip here to help Harvey in October. Meanwhile, we have leaders and equipment headed to Duber, North Carolina, and then Fayetteville, North Carolina, where we're going to be the next eight weeks. Uh, but all hands are on deck. We're accepting volunteers on our website. This is an amazing opportunity for the church to be the church. We're willing to take the professional carpenter, electrician, plumber, and painter. But this is a perfect opportunity for somebody like me, who's less skilled. And if you can swing a hammer and carry debris to a curb, there's a place for you. Learn more or volunteer at 8daysofhope.com. They say, why would you come from Chicago or Jackson, Mississippi, or Rochester, New York? Why would you come to Newburgh, North Carolina? And that's when the Holy Spirit starts to move. 8daysofhope.com. Fox on set. The software that powers Apple's iPhones and iPads has been updated and is now available for download. iOS 12 skipped sensational visual features in favor of a more reliable and robust user experience. A huge change from last year's iOS 11 update that was plagued with problems. Users who downloaded the software immediately noted an improvement in performance even for older devices. Apple claims that the camera will launch 70% faster and apps will load two times faster. In messages and FaceTime, you'll be able to add in effects like animated text and stickers, very much like what users of Snapchat are familiar with. But parents will likely appreciate screen time. Basically, the software tracks everything you're doing on your phone, from using social networking apps like Facebook to productivity apps like email and calendar. It'll give you an easy-to-understand breakdown of what you're doing and, for your kids, a way to limit what they can do. The free software download is available now. With Fox on Tech, I'm Brett Larson, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It turns my stomach. It really turns my stomach. I mean, Ms. Ford needs to be heard, but Brett Kavanaugh needs to be heard. And the Senate has a responsibility here. They have to lead. They have to make sure it's fair. They have to make sure it's responsible. And they have got to take the politics out of this situation. Would you urge them to go ahead with the vote this week on Wednesday as they plan? I don't think it's good for either of the individuals to have this dragged out. They need to have a timeline. They need to stick to it. And they need to go forward. But as long as they're fair and responsible, I think that, you know, you should hear from both sides. But the politics is what I think people are so disgusted with. Whoa, that was Nikki Haley shedding a little bit of truth there uh, about what we're seeing with uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Really unfair. Um, No one would want to be treated this way. The only reason people are willing to see it happen to him is because it's him and not them. Uh, So I mentioned married men earning much more than others in America. This is at Bloomberg.com, and it says, for men, the message is simple. If you want to get paid, get married. For women, unfortunately, working life still represents an seemingly inevitable loss of parity, which is not exactly true. So we have some truth here, and we have some uh, you know, propaganda uh, sprinkled in. Married men far outpace single men and single and married women in their wages and salary throughout their careers. Now, they don't say here whether or not they balance out or equalize for women taking time off from the workforce to have children and raise them. Studies by the Heritage Foundation, published over at the Daily Signal, show that when you equalize for that, when experience levels and educational backgrounds are the same, 
that men and women are at parity. But what's interesting is that it's clear that married men outpace single men and single women in earnings. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that being married increases a man's wages, but it does mean that men earning higher wages are more likely to marry and lower income men remain single. So they're kind of reversing it and saying, hey, uh, you know, single men don't earn as much money. Single men who don't earn as much money are less likely to be married. That's something that bears more investigation, I think. Um, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to attribute it to married men being much more motivated in the workplace and willing to go out and do more. Um, and, and it's possible that, that all of those things are a factor. Big, 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 big story about Rosenstein and saying he wanted to uh, wear a wire. Also, they're saying that he was being sarcastic about wearing a wire, uh, saying, well, what do you want me to do, Andy? Wear a wire? In other words, you know, come on, the, you're, you're being ridiculous. It's a big story, though. Big, huge story. Also, big, huge story today is that uh, a dam was breached at the New North Carolina plant and coal ash may be flowing into the Cape Fear River. New evacuations have been ordered because of it. And this is a Duke Energy Dam containing 1,100-acre reservoir in North Carolina. This has been breached and may be causing coal ash uh, to flow in. Hurricane Florence brought rain measured in feet to North Carolina and the rising rivers and standing water and fields are continue to be a problem. Now, the president of Duke Energy's North Carolina operations, David Fountain, told CNBC earlier this week that the impact from Hurricane Florence has been the most severe he's ever experienced. Now, this is another opportunity for us to pray and really seek God's face that he would help them to be able to handle this. Um, so... Obviously, there are also news stories out today about Google being found to have manipulated their search engine to counter news of the travel ban and manipulating results for topics such as Islam and Iran. Really, really um, disturbing that we just can't have... You just you just can't have regular search results like you just can't stand normal competition. So you have to skew it and fix it. You have to cheat. So in entertainment news, and this is really interesting how the culture around Star Wars is is changing the way that Disney works the story. And I think it's kind of sad because they took a great storyline and they're basically destroying every character and they're surprised that no one's wanting to come watch that. They had disappointing box office uh, numbers back on Solo, a Star Wars story, prompting Disney CEO Bob Iger to say fans can expect some slowdown. This is after months of rumor and speculation. Disney CEO Bob Iger has finally confirmed that their production and release of Star Wars movies will be scaled back. He says he made a mistake. He put out too much too fast. And he said, you can expect some slowdown. We're going to be a little bit more careful about volume and timing. I think they should be more careful about the storyline. Stop switching Star Wars from a male-dominated franchise that had traditional archetypal heroes and storylines that followed that. Stop making it where the women save all of the men and there are no male, true male heroes. How about that? If they did that, they could keep their production schedule the same because people would still go watch. It's unbelievable when you see the results from negative results from behaviors instead of the behaviors themselves being blamed for the negative result and so that a change can be made. They're like, well, we just put too much out too fast. No, you put out too much garbage too fast. So Solo had a troubled production history. Directors Phil Lord and Christopher Miller were replaced by Ron Howard. It was released only six months after Star Wars The Last Jedi. And the numbers were considerably poorer than those of Rogue One. It's the first one in the franchise to lose money. And people are suggesting that that means Disney failed to anticipate franchise fatigue. But it's just, it's interesting that the, the next one is a spinoff and 
the proposal is that Boba Fett would be the subject of the spinoff film. And then an Obi-Wan Kenobi film with Stephen Daldry being the rumored director is the other spinoff that is somewhat developing. And then Game of Thrones creators David Bynoff and D.B. Weiss are developing Star Wars sagas of their own. So they're going to have a bunch of different directors and a, def- a bunch of different storylines going on. And, and it makes you wonder if they're really thinking through how there's a lot, there, there are a lot of books out there about Star Wars. And true Star Wars fans, especially the boys, have not just read those books, but they have them at home. I know this because we have a lot of Star Wars books here at our house. And when you read the Star Wars books, even if you take a cursory peek through, you can see that there are a couple of accepted storylines that are what people call canon, meaning this is the bedrock storyline. So movies that veer away from that or switch out characters based on the desire to satisfy gender ideas that are currently in vogue with social justice warrior types, it doesn't play well with kids who've grown up reading the books, waiting for these movies to come out, hoping that someone would make them because the only movies that existed at the time were the first three Star Wars movies and then during their childhoods, the second three Star Wars movies appeared. They're not taken into consideration that this isn't just a group of uninformed individuals who hear the word Star Wars and think, ooh, sci-fi, let's go watch some. It's kids who've grown up reading the books. So a movie about what essentially is a space-themed version of an O.J. Simpson uh, escape scene where they move slowly through space being chased by another spaceship, which was the last movie. We just sat there. You know, you're in the movie theater with your reclining leather seat that's also heated, your, you know, custom meal that you've ordered and someone's brought you in the chair. You're sitting there and you're all ready for this movie that's just going to, you know, blow you away and be so awesome. And instead of getting that, you get something that really essentially, like, I could have written that. I haven't read all the books. I'm not one of those people. It's the kids who've read the books. I could have written that storyline in my spare time, like on the breaks in between the show here. It, It just was not great. There wasn't anything transformative about it. It wasn't anything like you. There, there weren't lines that are epic and, you know, quotable like in the first couple of franchises. It's just mediocre presentation, mediocre amount of work that's been put into it. And you can tell. And so they think they can just put out lots of movies on a schedule. And as long as there's lightsabers and some things happen in space and the millennial falcon makes an appearance that somehow that's going to like we're we're just all going to be great with that because it's going to be totally great and everyone's going to show up and watch it and bust box office records that's not how it works And, and i hate to make it seem as if i'm the only person who knows but i'm certainly one person who knows because i've been i've watched all the films we have them all on dvd And the ones that have come out recently, not one of those have we purchased on DVD. Not one of them have we downloaded and purchased from Amazon, the digital copy, because they're just not good enough. So some people have said, well, the standards are too high or the backlash against the female leads and the movies from online, you know, these these kind of they think they're basement dwellers. Yay, you can't you can't get judgmental about who your fan base is. You cannot complain on the one hand that your movies aren't selling enough tickets, while on the other hand, you're bashing the people who would come and buy tickets to see your, your film. Like, pick, pick a side. Pick the side that's most beneficial to you. Probably the side where you don't bash the people you want to come see your movie. So Iger's comments appear to back up the supposition that Disney and Lucasfilm will be concentrating on the main episodes he confirmed that J.J. Abrams is busy making episode nine. Abrams's film is it's yet untitled and it's due for release in December of 2019. So all I got to say to J.J. Abrams is, dude, you know, go back to the books, dude. Go back to the books and make a film that follows the storyline, the known storyline. And the reason it matters is because the diehard fans will show up to see the movie and people who aren't diehard fans of Star Wars, your potential new fans will listen to the people who know all about it. And if they say, eh, thumbs down, don't bother, wait till it comes out on video, 
or aunt, don't bother going to watch it because they just they, they're still not on the storyline. Those potential new people are the ones who are going to boost your box office sales up over into the realm that you're looking for, which is, you know, you want to break box office records. So first thing you have to do is get back to the basics. Do you even have any of the books, J.J. Abrams and Bob Iger, or did you just buy the rights to this franchise from Spielberg with the expectation that you could just do anything with it that you wanted and people would still come watch? Here's a newsflash for you. That's not what's happening. Not only are people not going to come watch garbage that's done with mediocrity and doesn't make any sense because it's outside the canon, they will badmouth it and talk about it in such a way that potential new fans will never come on board. This is a clip that should be sent directly to Iger and J.J. Abrams so they can try to get themselves back on track by 2019. And it may already be too late because a movie that's releasing in December of 2019, the script's already been written. They're now looking for the actors and they're working on casting and putting together the actual film, if not already in production. They say it's untitled, but that doesn't mean they're not already filming and doing, you know, locations and things like that. It's just, I just, it's really annoying because you take something that we shared with our kids, something that we really enjoyed and we showed to them and they shared with their friends and they're taking it and they're just messing it up. And I would love to see a film about Boba Fett, like the backstory of Boba Fett. Like there's, there's plenty more characters to have films surrounding. There's plenty more information that can be shared, but they've got to do it right. If they're going to do it incorrectly, they're going to continue to have these flubs and they're not going to want to make new movies. And that's just too bad. That's just too bad. They're blaming it on it coming out too quickly. How about you just put out a bunch of garbage and nobody wants to watch that? So uh, previewing for next week, really excited about some things we have going on. Specifically on Monday, we will be speaking to Dr. Bill Murphy. He's the president of Good Government Now. And he believes that Congress should invoke revised inherent contempt procedures in the DOJ. We'll find out what that is. We'll talk about it with him. That's on Monday. We also have the candidate for Missouri State Auditor. Her name's Sandra McDowell. She'll be coming on to talk about her candidacy. Um, we're not taking a position on whether or not we should vote for her, just having her on. And we've also invited her opponent, which is fantastic. We hope that her opponent will come on as well, Nicole Galloway. So that's an interesting race to watch here in the, the state of Missouri, a statewide candidate for auditor. And then, of course, we'll have other fantastic guests and more political commentary. We'll take your calls. I'm already working on having Burgess Owens back on the program. Um, we, we got so excited and talking, and I feel like he didn't have enough time to really express everything that he wanted to share. Such a fantastic guest. So we'll be having him back. Burgess Owens, former NFL Super Bowl champ and Oakland Raider. Uh, author, Fox News contributor. He'll be back with us. Uh, we'll just have to hammer out a day. And I'm sure we'll have that hammered out uh, by next week on Monday. So I can let you guys know what day he'll be back on. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say farewell from the heartland. God bless. Get in the pew on Sunday or Saturday evening. That's up to you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Rest and relax. And fly to Chicago tonight. You guys have a wonderful night. 